Welcome back to the United Pubcast for the final Friday night pint of the year. I was about to say season, but the year 2022 and what a roller coaster of a year it has been. And obviously you can see by the, the company, um, it is a full house tonight. Um, no Larry, but uh, I have sent out the spoke signal and um, the benches sort of pulled through nice and strong. Got Robbie from It's a Football Thing, Emad and Adam from Man Cave United and Borche from the Football Capital. After this, I'll make sure to put all their channels in the description below. So go check out them and make sure you subscribe if you aren't already. But 2022, lads, look, I've just went through a few notes then in sort of what can we talk about. There is so much to discuss. So we'll try and keep this conversation flowing. We'll get everyone in the live chat's thoughts on everything. But um, there is so much to discuss. So we'll try and keep it relatively sort of fast paced. But um, it will be a good chat because I went through some fixtures and moments of last season. And my God, um, there were some moments, um, unfortunately, mainly negative. But um, before we get into all things Manchester United, um, I think we are obviously Manchester United fans first and foremost, but second to that, we are football fans. And obviously sad news today in the passing of Pele. And um, I think it's just a, it's always sad when something like this happens. However, it was one of those things we sort of had an inclination over the last couple of weeks that he was sort of getting further real and this was potentially on the cards, which has potentially sort of softened the blow. It hasn't sort of come out of nowhere. Unfortunately, we did know this was coming, but I'll just go around the table. I'll go Robbie, Emad, Adam, and then Borche. Just a, just, just a, your sort of sense, Robbie, just on the day and the news of the Pele passing and also just your thoughts on Pele um, growing up and what he meant. Yeah, look, first, very sad, obviously, but in a positive, I'm glad he's kind of, um, he's not in pain anymore. He's suffering and like a lot of people have posted today, um, you know, he's up there and I'm sure Maradona's up there ready to greet him with open arms and they can have a kick about. And look, I think like everyone's thinking with with him, you think you say Pelé and straight away you think of football straight away, and you know, and the Brazil one of the one of the great Brazilians, three three time World Cup winner, someone that's been you know all over the world to spread the game in in a positive way. So look, may him rest in peace. And yeah, look, said this, it's a big loss for the game, and um, one of the one of the greats of the game, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Emad, just your thoughts in terms of, obviously, this is quite an experienced cast on here in terms of this podcast, in terms of age, not throwing anyone under the bus, but compared to some of the other guests, that still Pele was before our time, Emad, but um, just, it was just a name that was just, who's the best player in the world? It's Pele. 100%. And uh, I think you you summed it up nicely in one of your posts today on, on social media, Tom. Yeah. You know, when you do think of football, you think of Pele straight away. And like you said, he, he was before our time, but... It was the, probably one of the first names you ever heard once you once you got into the game. You know, the name Pele will forever just ring loudly throughout the game of world football. And it doesn't matter what age group you are and what generation you're born in, the, the name Pele will always be there. Um, mm. You know, the original, you know, the first goat of football, you can almost say. Um, it is sad that, you know, he's passed, but, you know, that's life. And as Robbie mentioned, it's... It, it's probably better in a way that he's no longer in pain and he is finally yeah. resting in peace. And, you know, everyone can now just, you know, just relax that he's in a better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Adam, just on that point Eman makes there in regards to this whole discussion over the last year and over the last couple of weeks with the World Cup, this goat, Ronaldo v Messi, then some of us sort of throw Maradona into it. Has Pele sort of, a little bit, sort of been a little bit disrespected in regards to that? Because if you go back and look at everything, he's got a very strong case that he's at the top of that list. Well, one hundred percent. He's won three World Cups. God, you can't can't ignore that for a fact. Like, I mean, I'm probably a bit different to you. My uncle, he would be one hundred and two this year. My uncle, who got me into Manchester United, and the first person he introduced me to was uh, George Best, and and he swore blind George Best was better than Palais. But I mentioned on your little comment you said this morning, Tom, that um, 
about that. And um, he, he knew Palais was probably the greatest. And um, But being a red eye through and through, he's definitely, uh, uh, for me, look, we, for me, it was Maradona because, like, I'm 48 and the first, I never saw Palais play either. But we all know Palais, three World Cups, absolute goat through and through. And, and you know what? He probably doesn't come up in the discussion enough. Um, Pele, mm. when you're talking about Messi, Ronaldo, Maradona, you know, he probably gets thrown to the side because he is that quiet guy and, you know, he um, goes around just doing the right thing, I suppose, a bit like a Bobby Charlton, I suppose. Yeah, it's interesting that point you make in regards to George Best because the one person Pele said was better than him was obviously George Best himself. Yeah, but right. um, I'll finish up with Borche. Just in regards to, just again, your feelings of Borche on today and the news, but obviously, obviously someone who lives and breathes football like all of us, Pele is that name that's synonymous with us. So um, just sum up your thoughts to wrap up. Yeah, man, it's, it's a bit of sad news, but I, I think because we kind of knew this was coming, obviously from a couple of weeks ago where they said, you know, there's not much really they can do with the with the situation. So it's not really, it wasn't really kind of a shock. You would have hoped maybe Brazil won the World Cup for him as well. Um, and maybe he made it to, to the new year only a couple of days away. But yeah, a, a lot of things what the boys were saying, like even for me growing up, um, when I before I even probably started watching football, I used to have older cousins, and they used to scream the name Pele, and I was running mm. around screaming Pele, Pele. Didn't yeah. know, you know, if the guy was in front of me, I wouldn't know who who he was, and that was the first name um, next to Canton. I used to have the collar up, no idea who Canton was when I was like four or five years old. So, um, but Pele was the one that my cousins used to scream his name, and I never knew who he was, but he was my first, maybe the first player to be introduced to me in terms of football. So um, it is a sad day. Um, I kind of, yeah, like like uh, Adam was saying there with the whole GOAT debate, I think maybe because he didn't play in Europe, he only played in you know, North America, South America, and, you know, obviously made his name with the Brazilian international team. That's probably why he, he's not really spoken um, in that high regard as Messi and Maradona and the Ronaldos. But we all know when he's on that ball, we all sing the clips, whatever's there available. We all sing the clips. What he can do with a ball, a lot of a lot of players still can't even do that. So, look, he's a legend of our game. I think even our kids and their kids will still talk about the name Pele, and you know, may may he rest in peace. Yeah, no, well said, and well said, everyone. But I think that last point or the point you make there in regards to not knowing who he was, but just the name, I was the same. I'd never seen him play, but I was telling everyone he was the best player. Like it was, it just is a name that transcended the sport, and um, there's very yeah. few people who do that. So, um, rest in peace to Pele, and um. Yeah, but very sad news. But as everyone sort of echoed the thoughts, um, obviously he can rest easy now. So we can move on and um, hopefully his family can move on. But obviously we will move on now in regards to all things Manchester United and sum up the year that was 2022. Matt just reminded us here, there is one more game which we will touch on at the end of the podcast where's everyone watching the Wolves game. It is obviously you know, a unique situation in um, Australia. It's going to be crossing over New Year's. It's going to start at 11.30 in 2022 and um, half-time, and then it'll be um, 2023. So I, no one, the supporters club, Matt, won't be out watching it because obviously the city on a New Year's Eve will be absolute chaos. But we will be there for the Everton match next Saturday, um, 7 a.m. kickoff on a Saturday morning. Um, Scott also here, good to see you from It's a Football Thing. What a bloody lineup! few studs and a couple of duds. I'll let everyone in the live chat depend um, or decide for themselves who's who. But, um, Rob, I'll start with you in regards to... I wasn't starting with you with a stud or a dud, Rob, but in regards to the start of 2022, now someone sort of can sort of fix me up on my dates if I'm a little bit incorrect here, Rob. 
I'm just going to go Ralph Rank. That was the first thing of 2012. I forget when Solskjaer sat Carrick came in. It was around that Christmas Boxing Day era. So let's just say Ralph Rank came in 2022. A lot of promise, obviously a, a tough spell for the club, a tough sort of situation he sort of walked himself into. But there was positives, there were negatives. And I'm just thinking, as I said, there is a lot to discuss today. So we'll try and keep things short in regards to each topic. But just your thoughts on the Ralph Rangnick era, the, the things he brought, the things he didn't bring, um, the things that have turned out for the better, the things that he potentially made worse. Um, just your thoughts. And then Emad, Adam and Borche, just um, chime in when you want to. Well, yeah, um, I think the, the positive was first half of the Palace game in his first game. Um, and I think it pretty much ended there, if we're honest with each other. Um, look, I, I do think we all kind of liked that um, he's no filter when it came to press conferences. Um, I think he was throwing, you know, the glazers and a lot of people in the backroom stuff, all the dirty laundry under the bus. But, you know, us, like, we, we didn't get to see any of that, so it was good to hear about it. It just it didn't work at all. Like, I um, mean, you know, we, we, he came in with a promise of being a, a director of football, which I think everyone was more excited about that part except um you know instead of him being the manager part and he didn't even up getting there anyway after the after his six months tenure they both parted ways and see you later and look it was it's brother there nor uh, you know nay or they with him um he came in i didn't really know who he was from being serious before a bit like ronaldo obviously we've done our homework he was supposed to be the godfather of pressing and the gagging press and you know he taught klopp and all the german boys and Look, I did think that um, he was, you know, he had a, probably an eye for talent, which um, the club ignored. And obviously, we've seen a few players that he highlighted that have gone elsewhere and uh, look like they're very good players. So I think in that aspect, we missed out on his talent. But besides that, in the footballing, um, um, in a, on, on the pitch, I don't think it, just, it was going to ever click, you know, with him at United or anywhere else, to be honest. Hey, Matt, on that, on that point, Rob makes there in regards to su such a, so much of the discussion in regards to Ralph Ring, unfortunately, or fortunately, unfortunately, depends how you look at it and what you want to sort of see the, what direction you want to see the club take in the future was off the pitch. In terms of press conferences, you and I, Matt, very often discuss um, whether it's Solskjaer, Rangnick, Jose Mourinho, or Eric Ten Hag now, what a manager says in a press conference, why they say stuff in a press conference. And so much of the discussion for me with Rangnick was what he was saying, whether I agreed with it or didn't agree with it. That's where the story was. I mean, the football was what it was. I put that on the players in regards to that. Now, was he a good enough coach? That's another debate. But just your sort of lasting thoughts on Rangnick in regards to was there anything on the football pitch or what his time will be made up or his time will be remembered for what he did say? I think his time will be remembered for what he said more than what we saw on the pitch. I think, look, what we saw on the pitch wasn't his own doing. I think the, the, the squad let him down. And we could see that after, as Rob mentioned, the, the first 45 minutes of the Crystal Palace match, we pressed for half an hour, and then that was it. It was it was dead and buried. The press was gone. Um, a man that has like held in such high regard from managers around the world, even though we've never heard of him, you know, he's got his own philosophy and he's set in his ways. For him, for the squad to down tools on him and force him to change his formation and his style. Just shows that they were never gonna they were never gonna work for him. In terms of what he said off the pitch, I wasn't look. It, a lot of United fans were happy with his honesty and and everything that he called out the the club on, and he was probably right in doing so. I wasn't a big fan of it. I just felt like United were already in the mud as it is. You know, we've been trophyless for so long without a Premier League title for so long. Already other, other clubs and other fan bases are laughing at us. I just thought that, you know, he's just dragging us through the mud even more, just making us more of a laughing stock. But that's just my opinion. 
Like, I'm not saying what he said was wrong, but I just said, I just think that putting it out in the public and just putting everyone on blast, even though it needed to happen, I just wasn't yeah. a big fan of it. And you know, I remember sharing very similar thoughts to you at the yeah. time in regards to that. But Borcho, I'll go to you, Borcho, before I go to Adam, just in regards to what Emad um, says there in regards to we're having such a discussion about Ralph, about Ralph Frank and what he did or what he didn't do. But ultimately, for me, the discussion should have been about the players because Emad um, points out there, the players simply, I hate accusing them of this, but it did. it is what what I felt and what we all saw. It did. They did down tools. And I'm just thinking Ralph Frank is the one who gets the blame for that, but it's where I look at it and it's the players' fault. Yeah, 100%. Um, I was calling out from the players back when Oli was still in charge. I said, uh, you can sack any, you can sack Oli, but at the end of the day, the players at the time weren't good enough, right? And even some players now, they're still not good enough. But in terms of Ralph, um, because growing up, I also supported Schalke like, as a German team. Ralph was their manager for a couple of seasons there as well. And what he did for them was fantastic obviously we all remember 2010 11 semi-final against Schalke he was the manager there and we went on to the onto the final um so if Ronaldo thinks that he, he didn't know who he was he's he's full of shit to be honest because he definitely knew who Ralph was you can't be in a you can't be taking Schalke to a Champions League semi-final yeah. and not knowing who the manager is it's simple it's the same as we look at now Guzman now like what he did and, and Ralph was part of building RB Leipzig as well. And we know Nagelsmann was the manager and what he's done there. You can't tell me we don't know. We didn't know him before he went to Bayern kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, and I kind of disagree with the whole 30 minutes of Crystal Palace as well, because we all knew he came in, he was appointed, but not officially on the, on the touchline um, for free games because Carrick was there and not taking anything away with Carrick because what he's doing at Middlesbrough at the moment is fantastic. He's got him in the playoffs positions and he's doing well. But I think Ralph had an influence in, in some of the games that were played when, when Carrick was in charge, especially, I think, the game against uh, uh, the game against Arsenal. I know we played Arsenal and I think Chelsea as well. A lot of the uh, philosophies that Ralph had in terms of winning the ball when you lose it within six to ten seconds, you look at the Never Arsenal seen game. it. Never seen it, bro. We've seen it for half an hour in that game. Okay, uh, okay. That's 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 your call because that's the whole social social media where everyone's. The Chelsea up. game was one all, and that was against the runner play as well. If you remember, I think Jaden yeah, Sanchez okay. scored off the off the mistake as well. Okay, keep watching your TikTok highlights and get your uh, analysis. <laughs> <from that. laughs> I don't have TikTok, brother. Okay, well, there you go. That's the problem. <laughs> but you go look at the you go look at the Arsenal game. You look at you go look at the philosophy what uh, Ralph has come in with win the ball within uh, six to 10 seconds. And when we do so, in, in, in 10 seconds, get a shot away, right? Never Look at that Arsenal game, perfect example. A lot of the things that we're doing, we're moving. You saw when we scored the goals, we won the ball, Ronaldo scored. We won the ball, Bruno set maybe Ronaldo up. And then we got, I think we won a penalty later on, or he won the penalty. Uh, Harry Maguire was winning, or we, we won the ball, Harry Maguire, within that 10 seconds, he's outside their box taking shots. So a lot of the, in terms of pressing and all that, yes, you can see it. You can you can identify that. And you can't tell me that's Carrick's uh, philosophy when it's clearly Ralph Radnick's. Um, and yeah, so more I don't for think me with more for me, Borch. Sorry, bro. With Radnick being on the touchline, like him as the inter not when not when Carrick was in like on the touchline. Yeah, I, I get it. I'm just I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. Part. Yeah, we I, I seen it before even he was on the touchline with, with some of the games that he had an influence on. I, I think. Um, we saw a little bit of that, but yeah, at the end of the day, like you, we can say the Crystal Palace game, 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there, but then 
it's not going to take one game or two games or two weeks with the players to get a philosophy. And then at the end of the day, they threw him under the bus. And I, I look at the players. I look at the players for why why um, Oli got sacked, even though I think we all agree that maybe it was kind of time or is getting to the end of Oli's tenure. But I think they threw him under the bus and they threw some of them players through some of the previous managers under the bus as well. And um, I, I, yeah, look, it didn't end well for Ralph. I would have loved to see him even before he was even appointed or even linked with United. I, I, uh, and a few times on a few podcasts, I, was, I mentioned that I'd love to see him in, <laughs> even with with um, Van der Sar coming in as well to to help out help out upstairs because I know what he's done at previous clubs. But yeah, look, it's it is what it is with Ralph. Um, I wish he did stay on, but unfortunately, but you can I, I do see I can see um, similar things in terms of play like the identification of players in Ten Hag as well, or whoever is upstairs picking these players, because a lot of these players that we're getting linked to, there are a lot of players that Ralph kind of put forward before he kind of left. So, yeah. I'll go to Adam just to wrap up the last, have the final word on, which I agree um, in large parts of that Borche, but Adam to wrap up um, the last bit on Ralph Rainey. But my thought on that in regards to what Rob Eman and Borche have also there in regards to, or maybe sort of football in point in regards to coaching, okay, the press and okay, play football like this and possession and ta- tactics and tackles and everything. The main thing, Adam, I found was he wasn't a manager. Okay, he might have been a great coach or a good coach. He couldn't manage the group. Now, it wasn't an easy group to manage. I point a lot of the fingers at the players. But ultimately, Sir Alex Ferguson would have been, not to criticise Ralph, but Sir Alex would have managed that group. Eric Ten Hag's management seems very good of this group. I'm just saying, ultimately, Ralph Rangit came in, might be a brilliant football mind. I'm sure he is. Obviously, he is. But he's not a great manager. And I'm just saying that's where, in my opinion, that's ultimately where it fell down from a results yeah, but, point of view. But, Tom, just before Adam jumps in, we all knew that he was only here for six months before they figured out whether it was Ten Hag or Poch. Hmm. Before they made the things. And even both of their managers, they weren't going to leave midway through the season. Poch had Champions League football. Ten Hag had Champions League football. They weren't going to leave their clubs. Ten Hag was going to win the league anyways. Poch was going to win his first league ever. So why would you leave as a manager to come to United mid-season? It didn't make sense. It made sense to get an interim in. I would have been happy if they left Carrick in, to be honest, the rest of the no, season. You see what he's and doing at Middlesbrough now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well. And then, but look, at the end of the day, we're going to look at who's upstairs and who's making the decisions. Actually, Adam, I'll, re- I'll, I'll rephrase that question and go to something Emad said a little bit earlier because I want your thoughts on this in regards to me. Emad have discussed this plenty of times. Look, all of us love Manchester United on this podcast. Everyone in the live chat loves Manchester United. But I know, Adam, your love for Manchester United. Just look at the wall behind you, for God's sake. In regards to Ralph Frank in those press conferences, the, the issue I had and the issue Emad sort of alluded to as well, in terms of what he was saying, while we all agreed with it, we needed it said, we wanted it highlighted, it did feel like at times he was dragging the, names, the club's name through the mud. I'm just thinking your, your, your opinion on that as a manager. And look, well, we did agree with what he was saying, but in terms of the way he made sort of portrayed it, in terms of did he go over the top and sort of drag our name a little bit? Yeah, 100% he did. Because, like, if I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't like Mourinho when he was doing it or or calling out players and stuff like that. You know, Roundy not so called out players or anything like that, but it's a similar situation, isn't it? When, you, when you're bagging a player, you're sort of bringing the club down because you're bringing down individuals. If you... If you're calling out what the club's doing, yeah, it's it's letting the fans down. But, you know, at times I was agreeing with him again. But, you know, all in all, in the last few years, it's been like a stranglehold. And you, you're there just wait, waiting for it to finish and waiting for United to move forward and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, from a person that's grown up, not so much watched a lot through the 80s because we never got so much here, but um, 
the nineties and um, easy and things like that <laughs> and things like that. You know, like yeah, I don't know. It's I just wanted everything to end and everything to be like it is right now. We're in a happy place right now, and I'll try not to look back on games and stuff like that. And and I just want things to. I don't know, just you just want things to just keep moving forward the way they are at the moment. I, I thought I it was going like... to come out of your mouth there. I thought I wanted things to just go back to way, the way they were in 1999. I, oh, I no, thought that was the way no, it was def- coming no, out. No, definitely not. No. I, 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 you know, the thing about it is, is um, I don't know how to put it, but, you know, we didn't need the interim interim. You know, we we're all saying, oh, what's the go with the interim interim? I blame what happens upstairs to the way we are. And especially with uh, the disaster when it came to Ollie, then Ralph Ranick, or Carrick, then Ranick. And like you said, I think we would have done all right with Carrick. So, mm. I don't know. It's, it's well, hard. Carrick's, Carrick's definitely going to be a name to look at, as Borche alluded to. What he's doing at Middlesbrough is fantastic. It'll be great to see their second half of the season. Now, I was going to touch on Eric Ten Hag, but I think we'll tie that into the current season. Obviously, Wolves preview at the end of the podcast. We'll get everyone's thoughts on Eric Ten Hag in a little bit. But um, obviously, as I said, all of us here, um, Man United fans in Sydney, um, all of us made the trip down to Melbourne for Manchester United's arrival. Um, I don't think anyone uh, anyone here went over to Perth in the live chat. Um, in the live chat, um, let us know your thoughts on the tour. If you did go down, what was your highlight of the tour? But again, I'll go around the table, starting with Rob, in regards to... Ultimately, if we're watching a preseason tour in America on TV, we think, oh, God, okay, here these boring games. Okay, we'll watch them, but okay, we'll just go through the motions. Ultimately, Manchester United were on our doorstep. We travelled down there en masse, and the preseason games that mean nothing. There's 11 subs at halftime, but ultimately, as a Manchester United fan, which is what we are, it was heaven for those couple of days. 100%. Look, for me, it was personally my first time watching the boys live. Um, obviously, I've been a fan for nearly 25 years, and... I've been to Old Trafford, obviously never got to watch a game just to do the tour and stuff. But yeah, to go down there with, you know, with all you boys at the pub, have a couple of feeds, a couple of drinks, sing along and just, you know, walk to the MCG and, and watch, you know, our team play in front of our own eyes was something special. And obviously, you know, I might not ever, hopefully I do, but I might not ever get to watch them again for a very long time. So yeah, look, I think the whole weekend was special, man. From trying to, you know, get there nice and early in the morning to get some signatures. Again, telling stories from, you know, hearing the old boys tell stories or other people tell stories about United. The whole the whole weekend was really good. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping because Australia put such a good, you know, turned it on for them, um, you know, maybe in the next couple of years they might come out again. I think this year they're in America. But, you know, if you look, I think if we look over the last 10, 12 years, they've been out here maybe three times now. So I'm hoping it continues and maybe within another five years they'll be back. So I hope so. And, yeah, I'm sure everyone will share the thing that it was a really good weekend. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Adam and I are both on the committee of the Man United Supporters Club, and we had chats with a few people down there, and a few people, obviously, who work with the club and sort of quite close, and a lot of the decision makers, they always point out Australia as the players enjoy it. Obviously, they do enjoy going wherever, America or Asia, but Australia is one place they can go, and they do get the fame, and they do get sort of mobbed a little bit outside the players' hotel, but they can go for a walk, they can go to a restaurant, and um, obviously, the wet, well, it was very cold in Melbourne, but the players do enjoy the Australian trip, so uh, fingers crossed you're right that they do arrive um, on our shores again, but Emad, um, down in Melbourne with us. Um, highlight of the trip for you, mate? Yeah, man, Melbourne Melbourne was a blast for me. Um, I took my... So highlight for me was being able to take my old man to watch United play. My, my old man is the reason why I support United in the first place. I remember him used to... He used to wake me up every Saturday or Sunday morning on and watch SBS Game of the Week when we only used to get the one Premier League game uh, on TV, you know, here in Australia. So... My dad's the reason why I supported United and 
to be able to take him to to see them play because he's never seen them before. That's my highlight. Also got to take my nephew. And then, um, of course, catching up with all you boys. And, and it's just meeting all, all, United, all United supporters from all walks of life, you know, from, from all parts of, of Australia, from around the world. They've all come down here, man. We've, you know, we've had a great time. Like you said, the match didn't mean so much, but just, you know, being all together, just singing the songs, marching to the MCG, all that, man. They're just memories that you can't, you'll never forget. Adam, obviously, watched Man United a few times, both in Sydney, over in Perth a few years ago, then down to Melbourne this time. Obviously, never short of stories in regards to the people we meet and sort of come across. But um, yeah, just your thoughts as well, sort of looking back. Because when I was doing this, I was thinking just about the football for 2022. I forgot the, I forgot the tour happened. Um, I thought it was like two years ago. So um, just sum up your thoughts on the tour. Yeah, look, me and you were probably pretty fortunate where we got to actually spend a bit of time with, with some of the players and stuff like that. So that was pretty awesome. Um, you know, I met Albert Morgan down there. That was, that was probably a highlight for me, meeting Albert mm. Morgan, to be honest with you, being a big jersey collector and got mm. a few st- stories out of him. But uh, it was for me, it was a um, couple of highlights there where Kira ended up getting... We had a flag made up for her um, and David De Gea came over and... Um, Straight away saw it and signed it for her. And when we were in Perth, he actually had a Zoom call with her um, while we were getting stuff lined up. And so it was she idolizes this guy. Her whole bedroom's decked out in Dahaya. So it was an unbelievable experience for her. And same with Alyssa. Alanga came straight over. And it was good to catch up with all the boys that, like Rob, hadn't seen United play before. Um, I'm in the fortunate situation where I have seen him play a fair few times. And um, it's just great to see our um, supporters in our supporters club come and see United for the first time. And, yeah, it was good seeing Borsche inside the pub dancing and singing and he was doing some filming and, and stuff like that. For me, it's just hanging out with the boys, having a few beers, doing all the singing. And I did get rotted when I was on the, in the newspaper and they told me <laughs> I was That was a story. <laughs> that Ronaldo was coming. So that was probably a big highlight for me, ready to kill the uh, editor. So <laughs> we, we, we might do a one-year anniversary yeah. show, sort of looking yeah. back, and we'll, we'll share some stories. And um, that that is a story. If, uh, if two, a we don't have time for it on tonight's podcast, but that was brilliant. But Borche, we've obviously been speaking before the tour. We, we sort of knew of each other. We'd been in constant dialogue. But we we're going to meet for the first time before that second game down in Melbourne. But um, like everyone else who went from Sydney to Melbourne, I caught COVID before the second game. So I stayed in my hotel room. I didn't go to the second game, which you travelled down for. So I didn't meet you um, on the trip. But um, just your thoughts, obviously. Yeah, well, (laughs) as Larry went on a bit of a super spreader down in Melbourne, (laughs) having COVID the week before. (laughs) I paid the price. But um, just your thoughts. I'm I'm sure it echoes a lot of the thoughts that the other boys have said. But um, seeing United in in the flesh, um, always special. Yeah, hundred percent. Look, I've seen United. I've been to Old Trafford before when they came to last time when they came to Sydney, and I had tickets to go to that Perth one last time they came. But I, had, I gave I actually gave my tickets to Adam McCullough because I didn't I couldn't end up going. I had a soccer tournament with the kids in Canberra, but um, I think man, honestly, the the highlight for me was the pub meeting meeting like Adam and meeting uh, like some of the other like Dean Garden and all these guys that I've I've known for like I've known Dean Garden for who knows how long since the first time United came to Sydney and there's the first time I got to meet him in, in person, you know, and then um, obviously you got the, the, the covert and I met you at the Southampton game, the third round or fourth round at the pub then, but yeah, just meeting all the United fans, the, the singing and the, the, the chanting in the, in the pub. 
I think I had way too many drinks. Uh, <laughs> how I made it to the game, I have no idea. I have no idea how I made it. But, um, yeah, I, I think that was a highlight for me. See, the game was a bit of a bonus um, for whatever I could see <laughs> with the blurry vision at the first <laughs> half. But I, I caught, caught some of the goals. Um, to be honest, I, I came to the going – to, going to Melbourne on, on this tour, obviously, it was a, a bad end to the season, right, the, um, the previous year. So – to me, I kind of had this a little bit of a grudge towards a lot of these players, you know, you know, little little slight, you're not fit to wear the shirt chants as they're walking out of that bus. Not too loud, you know, not too loud. But I think I think for me, um, they weren't really in my good books uh, on, on the tour, but it was good to see the rest of the fans seeing United for the first time, getting that chance and getting that opportunity and everyone that got signatures and got to meet players. I'm not too bothered with... Um, the meet and greets and all that sort of stuff, but you can see that some of the kids' faces that got to got to see players shake their hands and signatures. It's fantastic, and especially after the the second game, they were so buggered that you know they didn't have to stop for everyone, but they still did. So it was good to see giving something back to the. Support. It's good that you, so you mentioned the players there, and off top, if someone were to ask that question to me, what was the highlight? I would ultimately my first thing would probably think to. The players, I was fortunate enough to meet a few players, get some autographs sort of thing and have a chat to sort of one or two sort of the ex-players. So that, that springs to my mind as a highlight. But ultimately listening and sort of deep down, I share the same feeling. It's going to the pub. It's just doing nothing. It's going to dinner one night with a few mates. It's everything in regards to, to away from the football. It's nothing to do with the players, nothing to do with the club. It's just the Manchester United fans. That sounds cliche. I hate, it. I hate the way that comes out. It does sound like yeah. a cliche. But ultimately it is true. And um, all, 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 all your boys have said it. You can just like you can you just know like if if we all did kind of live in England or Manchester or wherever and we're going to the games, this is this is exactly what it would have been. Go yeah. to the pub, get a feed, few drinks, chant, walk to the stadium, and then watch yeah. the game. And like we, yeah. we ended up having that kind of when whole experience thing. Look, oh, no. When are we moving? When are we moving? When are we moving? Hey, Emad, I'm waiting for that being sport uh, check to cash in and I will fly. <laughs> 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 I know with me, like with that with that tour, it's always and even in Perth, Tom, we had a fantastic time with everyone and stuff like that. But just one other highlight was like I knew Emad was coming down and and he was that pumped coming down. We wanted to do a podcast down in um do, down near the stadium there and stuff like that. And I was trying to break into the Melbourne cricket ground, um, asking security if we could get in there. My daughter was shitting herself, and we ended up getting in there and we went live from inside the stadium and stuff like that. But Things like that make it all worthwhile, and they, you, you live on with these memories. You take heaps of photos. You got Porsche taking footage all the time, and yeah, but all the guys in our supporters club, that, I'll never forget that moment. And um, you know, I'm going to Old Trafford in a few weeks' time, but you know what? It still won't top as much as I'm going to do a lot of things there. It still won't top my time with the boys down at down at that tour. It was just that good. You're that pumped to get to the pub, or you're that pumped to see. So your mates will go and do a little podcast or try and break into the stadium or something like that. Or yeah, I'm a bit of a loose cannon so when it comes to How good is like football, man? Yeah, it's football. No, very much. Look, I, I echo everyone's thoughts there. And it's sort of, while I'm sort of got such a joyous feeling towards that, it is a bit depressing knowing that it has gone and it's going to be a few years before Manchester United return. But the next topic will be a depressing one. So we'll sort of quickly change thoughts. But um if you're on the live chat, please do leave a like on the video. And if you are in Sydney and not part of the Man United Supporters Club, or wherever you are in the world, um, make sure you do join your local supporters club. But there is a link in the description to the Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney. If you're not um, 
part of it. Our next game at the pub will be Saturday morning against Everton in the FA Cup. So make sure you come down and join in what is a great supporters club. But um, Emad and Borche and even Adam to an extent as well, I might have to give you a bit of a time limit on this next topic because we're halfway through the podcast, but it is the main man, Cristiano Ronaldo. So we'll try and keep this nice and short and sharp. But I'll start with Robbie. Um, look, just your general thoughts. We know what happened. We know how it started. We know how it ended. Obviously, it's fact how, it ha- how sort of the situation arose and everything that happened and what was the result. But just your thoughts on... Ronaldo, in, in, encapsulating this return in terms of that returning as Newcastle, the, the interview, just your feelings around the Ronaldo situation at the moment. Uh, because it has, unfortunately, happened a couple of weeks ago. We have moved on quite easily, uh, or quite swiftly, I should say. But, um, yeah, it's still happening in 2022. Yeah, look, firstly, I'll give everyone a warning. Um, hide yourself because um, Watcher and Emma are in the chat. I'm sure they'll <laughs> give him plenty. Um, now, look, me personally, look, I'm sure when... At that time last year when he did return to the club, I think everyone's lying if they didn't say they weren't that little bit excited, man. Like, you know, Hollywood. Mate, we'll, we'll, we'll told you, mate. We'll, <laughs> we'll refresh in our Twitter feed every five seconds. Uh, we all thought he was going to City. And, you know, I'm sure if we go back and have a look at those pods, we'll say he's dead to us if he signs for City. And 24 hours later, he's, you know, he's, he's um, on the plane to Manchester, obviously got the phone call from, from Fergie saying, you know, come back here and... Look, I'll, I'll say personally, we all thought that the good times were going to be back then. We had, we, had, you know, we finished second the, the year before. Ronaldo was coming back. That opening game was, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, he scored twice, I think, that game against Newcastle. And it was euphoric again. It was just taking us back. Push out. We were lucky enough to watch Ronaldo at his first time at United. And, you know, that's how he became who he was. When he came back after what he'd done at Real Madrid and Juventus, so it was. It was an exciting moment. So, look, fast forward to a couple of weeks ago. Not quite a receipt, Emad, but um, yeah, my one, look, I'll get into everyone and Emad, you're going to have your say now. And ultimately, there is one question I want to direct to everyone <laughs> on the panel when we finish the Ronaldo discussion. But that point there, and it comes into my last, um, the question I want to direct to everyone, but that Newcastle game, I haven't got it framed yet. It is going to go up there. I haven't got a frame big enough for it yet. But that moment, it was worth it. It was worth it for me. Okay, yes, it's a shame how it ended and we're going to discuss his legacy, but ultimately, that moment against Newcastle it was worth it for me. But he Tom, Tom, that's the one you want to get rid of at the at the supporters club. It still hasn't sold. What's going on? <laughs> no, 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 this one's just sort of waiting nicely for a sort of nice, comfortable frame. But um, Emad, Ronaldo, just again, like I said, Robbie, we know what happened. We know how it started. We know how it ended. Just your feelings now that we're moving into a new year. Mm. Um, talk to me. See. <laughs> See you later. Um, <laughs> uh, look, bro. As look, as Rob said, hide your salt. I'm salty. I am salty about it. I'm not happy about about what he's done and the way he's done it. Because if you think about it now, he still hasn't signed for anyone. And if the reports are true that he signs for this Saudi club, then all this talk about wanting to remain at this elite level and still play top level football, it all goes out the window. Because now you're just playing for money, which we all thought and which we all said he doesn't need... Well, we all know he doesn't need the money, but we all said he doesn't think that way. It's not about the money for him. It's about remaining number one, okay? For me, I I think he struggled. I didn't struggle. He struggles to just to understand that he's not that guy anymore. He's not that 25, 26, 27-year-old. He's 37. He's He's almost on 38. You have he has to accept that 
it's coming to the end. And I think his failure to accept that has made it such it's made it sad to see the way it's ending for him. He, you know, he was benched at United and he carried on the way he did at our club. And then he's gone to the World Cup and even the Portuguese manager has seen it. He's benched him and it's starting to go that way with them as well. Even the Portuguese media have turned on him. Look, I want to remember Ronaldo for the first time we had him, right? Because I was lucky enough to be at Old Trafford when he scored his first hat-trick against Newcastle in that 6-0 win. I was lucky enough to be there, man. It's something I'll never, ever forget. I want to remember him for that. I want to remember him for when we re-signed him. That photo, Tom. I was up till 2, two o'clock in the morning with you. Everyone's on the messages. We're all pumping each other with messages. Oh, my God, he's back. He's back. Oh, man, I don't want that feeling to ever go away. But what he's done now, like, for me, it has left a sour taste. I am salty about it, man. It's, it's so upsetting because it's a club that he, you know, so-called loved. But then he's flirting with City. You know what I mean? But then he's gone and done this interview and just slammed slammed the club again. Everything he said in the interview, we've already touched the interview. We knew it already. So this was just a ploy for him to get out. I'm not happy about the way he's done it. Maybe in a couple of years, I'll run out of salt and I'll get back on the sugar. I don't know. For now, <laughs> look, I, I just want to remember, I want to remember, oh, wait, Ronaldo, that one. On, on that, Adam, uh, which I respect that you made sorts and agree with a lot, large parts of them. But, Adam, on that, how do you remember Ronaldo? Like, does it does this change things or are you able to sort of put one thing to the side and remember the good times? Because they'll they, they be on good times. But, like Those years that we achieved greatness under, not under Ronaldo, but obviously played such a pivotal part. So looking back now, how do you sort of view Ronaldo? When Ronaldo first signed, I was throwing sueys in the in the cave. So I was going for a walk <laughs> with me, me missus and I was throwing sueys to me neighbour. But, yeah, look, yeah. I echo, I, I echo, um, it's, it's so disappointing at the end. I was excited when he was here and, and stuff like that because, you know, what he did for us earlier and everyone knows, look, I'm not a massive Ronaldo fan because I just think he's selfish and... Um, I, I would hate to have a teammate like that, you know. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe that's just the way he came across. But, yeah, I, I definitely want to remember. Look, he, we can't forget he was our bloody top goal scorer last year, last season as well. So, please, But then I, a lot of... But a lot sorry, of them, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, please don't. But let me I don't finish. Hear that. But you gotta, I don't you wanna, gotta, I'll let you finish. I don't want to hear that stat, but keep that stat. It means but that's fine. But you've got to remember a lot of players were filthy that he was at the club as well. So, you know, you, but my, the kid that, that I love, Marcus Rashford, he was the first one to down tools. So, yeah, look, I, I want to remember Ronaldo from before. I'm probably disappointed that he did come back now um, because... Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's something we also yeah. knew at the time. When we were all celebrating yeah. the signing on that day that we thought he's going to go to Sydney, arrived at Old Trafford, we were all got caught up in excitement, <laughs> but all of us knew deep down and said, hang on, it's not the right signing. Yeah. This is going to end in tears. I did and say at the time on another podcast that... I don't believe it's the right signing. Yeah, yeah it was. And, yeah. and um, but then I just got crucified for being I'm the person that doesn't like Ronaldo. So it's it's proved its point, and um, yeah, it's just a shame that that he didn't see the season out, and young players like Garnacho and stuff like that could um, mm. you know, get to train with him and learn off him and and stuff like that. And again, I just I just think he's 
Oh, is he a legend of the club, boys? Is he a legend of the club to you, or is he? Well, it, it, it comes into my it comes into my last question, Robbie. I'll, I'll direct just one more question to Borche, then sort of one to the rest of the panel. Well, Borche, on that, in regards to sum up your thoughts on Ronaldo at the moment as well, but also in regards to, and this is not a defensive Ronaldo, but in regards to like the facts in terms of how it's unfolded. Obviously, you have to sort of apply the context. But so often we point to these players, whether it be Ronaldo or Bruno or David Beckham or whoever. We say, if you don't want to be here, leave. Ronaldo is probably the first player in God knows how long who didn't want to be here, did what he had to get get out of the club. Now, it's a shame how he sort of the path that he took to get out of the club. But ultimately, he's done what we accuse these or what we demand of these players. You don't want to be here, leave. Ronaldo made that decision to get himself sacked. He knew that interview would um, result in him getting the sack. So ultimately, I, I don't think he deserves sort of praise for that because ultimately he shouldn't have done it in regards to sort of the way you should treat Manchester United and its fan base. But ultimately, he's done what we demand of him. So I'm just thinking also take that into consideration, but also um, just your thoughts on Ronaldo cons- taking everything into consideration. Yeah, you you boys know I'm shameless when he first signed. Mate, I was I was probably doing suies with Adam and with his next-door neighbour there, mate, and we're going to cop a lawsuit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But um, look, it, we, we know when he, when he signed, I, I think every United fan, I don't think everyone, we all knew that he wasn't the right player to bring in but we'll take him because he's going to City. And I'll never change that. I'll, yeah. I'll never change what knowing how it ended for him to end up at City because we all know what was going to happen. He was going to win the league, possibly win the Champions League. And to see him in that jersey lifting trophies would have been heartbreaking. Oh, so wow. um, I wouldn't change him signing for United, even though we had uh, the worst Premier League season ever. Do you know what I mean? I'll, I'll, I'll take that. But what I'm not happy about is the, is the, way, he, is the way he acted. Like you, you say you love this club, but but do you? First of all, you never came back throughout the twelve years you weren't here. You never, we never saw you in the grandstands with your kids or anything to watch a United game. So how much do you really love this club? You say you do. You say you love the fans, but you keep walking off, and people can say, "Oh, there's clips of him clapping the fans." Yeah, but we all know, we all know when it's a bad result, you go after the fans, you apologize, and yeah, if, if I was, if and a lot of them players should, you know, especially the big losses, refund the fans, refund the away fans, especially that went out there to um to, to to watch you guys and it's not just Ronaldo I'm talking about the whole the whole squad um but for me it's it's the way we all knew in March when we didn't make Champions League when it was mathematically we, we got knocked out we couldn't make the top four we all kind of said it Ronaldo wants to play Champions League football we all knew that he was going to leave he should have left then and there he should have he should have said look I want to play Champions League football um and make it public, and he could have had his last home game, could have been a mad send-off. He would have said a big thank you. He would have, he would have left. We wouldn't be having this conversation now. Ronaldo left, thank you so much for what you did for, for the season. You scored a top goal scorer, even though you had nine goals in March, and then you scored a few hat-tricks at the end um, when it didn't really matter. Um, so, but, but we would have clapped him off. Now, we would have, now, honestly, let's be honest, we would have clapped him off and said thank you. You, you probably do deserve better because the, the way our club is run, you probably don't deserve that to be treated like that. But what happened? Yeah, your daughter was sick, whatever. Okay, for one week you were in hospital, but then the six weeks in preseason, where were you? Yeah, and we, I, we can break this down. Your wife is going to concerts and it's on social media. So where were you? Sporting Lisbon training complex, your agents out there flirting with every single club in the world. And the only reason you didn't leave because no one wanted you. And when a lot of people get at me on social media, oh, what do you mean? You don't know what you're talking about uh, when you say uh, no one wanted him. 
Of course, Everton would want Ronaldo. Of course, Fulham would want Ronaldo. But unfortunately, they can't afford his wages. Ronaldo wants to go to these big clubs. Bayern Munich, Champions League football, teams that are competing. Unfortunately, he doesn't fit their profile. And like for me, what he could have done, there was no point of doing this interview. First of all, you said nothing that we really didn't know about. You lied about a lot of things in, in the interview. Um, and you could have just said you want, you're, you're happy to leave in January. We would have gave you a send-off today or tomorrow against Wolves. And thank you for everything. And then it would have been sweet. January, you can leave. And it doesn't end this way. But now, like Emad was saying, you're going to El NASA, that space program of a club, is going to be playing in space, El, El Spacico with SpaceX. And, and what? I thought you wanted to win trophies and European Cups and Ballon d'Ors and stuff. Why in there when no one there's – no, there's not even a channel that plays that, that league. You know what I mean? Name me two teams. El, El well, I think they will now. Well, I, I agree completely. But I think they will now. Like if you were going to go to a, a back to Real Madrid or if you're going to a Bayern Munich or PSG – Go happy for you, no worries. But then you said all this stuff about the roofs leaking, like we didn't even really know, and all this stuff. The spa bath wasn't bubbling enough, and the the chef, the chef is. Come on, the bro. The chef, chef, you yeah. have your own chef. You have your own chef. Don't go ripping into the chefs and all that. This is music if, to my ears, bullshit. And it's, and you know what? It's fantastic. Like you don't need the money, but if you wanted to go play for the money, cool. Goes. I'm pretty sure PSG will pay you. You you make the revenue back on the shirts. But just the the way he left. We could have left tomorrow, last game. Thank you so much, Ronaldo's last game. The boys would have put in a mad performance, get uh, get his send off, and then it, that could have been it. But unfortunately, the way he's run his mouth, it's yeah, it's gonna take a long time. He didn't get a Christmas card from me this year, and maybe not next season. But we'll see. Of course, it's gonna die down. And on Robbie's point, is he a legend at, at Man United? You, you could say he is. He's what he done in, in, in his first stint, Ballon d'Or winner as well. You can't um, you can't forget that, but I don't think a, a statue is going to be next to the Trinity there. So if you can forget about that one, oh yeah, man, I just I just think that a lot of it, what he said didn't need to be said. You could have just said behind closed doors, I'm not starting, I'm not getting game time. I'm, I want to yeah, look. At, look, it's a shame now. Tim, look, and uh, I, I agree with everyone. Look, I agree with everyone on the panel, and it's one of those topics that. Look, we, we could be discussing it till next year, like quite literally. Well, this conversation could go on for a couple more days and it would take us into the next year. And I think every sort of angle of it is right. It's just uh, unfortunately, because we're so invested in Manchester United, it is such an emotive topic. But you you posed a question in there, Borche, which you bet you answered it in that sort of well, what, what you said there. So you've answered yes, Rob. And I'll direct this to Emad and Adam after as well. Knowing how it's happened, so he's, he's pl- going to play out the exact same way. He's going to have that double against Newcastle. He's going to be our top scorer. Then it's got oh, shit's going to hit the fan the following season. Would you do it again? Would you sign Ronaldo again, or would you prefer him go to Manchester City and win a Premier League or Champions League? I think we're all crazy for that. Say we'll definitely all do it again a million times, hundred percent. Are you mad? Yeah, we're shameless, bro. We're shameless. Come on, yeah, hundred percent. Not sign him again. That's now, Adam, you. I'm fearful. Not this, fearful. I have a feeling you think you would actually. I'll, I'll redirect the question. I'll, I'll re, re, sort of hammer the question, Adam. It's going to happen again. Or can you? Would you prefer to see him in a Manchester City shirt winning a Champions League or Premier League? I can't answer the question, Tom. No comment. He's not. He's Yeah, you know. Do you know what it was for me? Because I'm a I'm a no. boot collector. You can't, you can't have him at United. Look. Sorry. Yeah, but no, I was saying I was. I'm a boot collector and I like my mercurials. And who's who's the poster boy of yeah. the mercurials? 
Mr. CR7. And when he was going to go to Man City, I'm like, what am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Do I have to now burn the whole collection of yeah. materials? <laughs> <laughs> he can't. So, yeah, like Rob said, no, a million a game, times, I'll, I'll sign him again. If he was going to City tomorrow, I'll still I sign him again. Yeah. You're going to sign him. He's At the end of the day, there's... We're, we easily call people at Manchester United legends, right? You can't deny Ronaldo what he did for Manchester United in, in the noughties. You can't deny that. But for me, he came into an awesome side and he was developed at Manchester United. And the lack of respect for that, through a lot of our probably newer supporters, uh, they, they just, they got glass eyes for CR7. And, and the amount of online shit that I've probably put up with, with, you know, Everyone just going bound. Basically, they might as well set up a church for CR7. And I think what you'll find, Adam, and look, I agree, Adam, but I think what you'll find in terms of it is interesting in regards to when he did come in, that was 2003, 2004. Yeah. Now we're in 2022. <laughs> that different generation of fans, look, I completely agree yeah, with you, but that's my point. That's my the, point. The, the, the Ronaldo fans, I think they'll leave. Yeah. I think they'll leave. Oh, they'll go yeah, to Al Nasser. I will. It's, it's funny <laughs> because I always question them. I always question them about that. And um, some of them... Well, say the, the Messi and Ronaldo have it. And I say to them, so I, the last comment I always make to them is, so you'll be following Manchester, you'll be following Ronaldo to the next club then. And I never, mm. ever get a comment back. Never. Because everyone's NBA NBA supporters. That, that's what they do yeah. in America. They follow yeah. the player, not, not the team. I don't but follow just, the player. I follow the club. Yeah, of course. And that, that is it. So just, just for to... me, 100%, I would sign Ronaldo again. But you, you do yeah, it just I... so he doesn't go to City. So. Just, just to wrap this one up, because um, I know with time and, and all that, um, what what was what I'm happy with Ronaldo leaving is the last two games that we've played, every time we scored, not once did it pan over to the bench to see what his reaction was, what Ronaldo's oh, reaction mate, was. And in the 80th no, minute man. when he was on the bench, the, we can actually talk about what a performance, we can talk mm. about individual players, and we never have to shift over to Oh, but Ronaldo, do you think he should have started? There was a bit of we were three nil up. Do you think he should have came on? Like, it's, look, it's I, I completely agree on that, Borja. One hundred percent. I share the same feelings. However, my my lasting thought, I haven't given my full opinion on the Ronaldo situation, but while I completely agree there, and I know exactly what you're saying, my lasting point on that would be that's not Ronaldo's fault. That's the media. That's our that's our sort yeah, of craving exactly. as fans that's in exactly. terms of wanting that. It, that's our fault. It's not Ronaldo. He's not telling the cameraman or press camera to get it on me. That's the cameraman. That's the media. That's us fans. But that that <laughs> needs so. The buttons, mate. Well, I just thought it was another stranglehold we didn't need. There was another well, stranglehold. That's what we said at the club. It would have been and very interesting. I want to get in there. His departure feels like a massive weight off the club's face. lifted off. Yeah, 1,000%. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll get into my next point here. Well, the last point of the podcast, and we'll try and wrap it up in the next 10 or 15 minutes, but it goes into Eric Ten Hag. And it's, it's, it's fascinating when you, you do look at the Ronaldo signing in terms of the positives now and how that front tree looks and what we want to achieve in that front tree, Rob. In terms of Eric Ten Hag coming in, take the Ronaldo signing away. How does Solskjaer's season shows up? Because at the moment... Eric Ten Hag's front three is what Solskjaer was trying trying to create. Now, obviously, Jaden Sancho has gone a little bit sideways at the moment, but ultimately, on paper, you would think it'll be Anthony Martial through the middle, Sancho on the right, and Marcus Rashford on the left. Now, that's what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wanted. The issue of Cristiano Ronaldo arrived, that changed things. Solskjaer lost his job, and we're in the situation we're in. But in regards to Eric Ten Hag coming through, I think everyone. I'll just give everyone the floor to have their sort of two cents on the new manager. 
okay, he's obviously very successful at Ajax. We all sort of knew sort of murmurs of him. We knew what he was achieving at Ajax, and he's always a potential name to be a manager of a big club in the future. But ultimately, we were the ones who were able to land him. And ultimately, what a job he has had on sort of he's been dealt with, the issues he's had to come in and sort of face front on. But ultimately, Eric Ten Hag, in my opinion, has come in and he has not put a foot wrong. Even the even the, the feet that he has put wrong, it's been for the... Uh, I'm not t- tying this back into the Ronaldo discussion, but it needed to be done. It needed to be done to sort of take two steps back to go three steps forward sort of thing. So ultimately, Eric Ten Hag, for, since the moment he's walked in, um, I think he's been a breath of fresh air and he's been brilliant for the club. Yeah, look, I, I, I mirror exactly what you're saying. I, again, I'm, I don't think I'm... Since his first press conference, I don't think... He said anything that we don't like, and if it has, like you said, it's, it's been for a reason. Um, first of all, I think he's a great manager, like man manager, number one. Um, I think he's improved players, which is the first time in a long time we could say that about a manager. People like your Luke Shaw's, your Marcus Rashford's, we're, we're seeing them right now after having some of their worst seasons. They've come back and been resurrected under him. Um, I think he's been really stern with, you know, he's taken a bit of a grip on transfers, which we haven't seen in a long time, and the club at the moment is backing him, which is another positive. Um, he's bringing a lot of optimism in. Um, he, I like how he's very, I don't think he downplays it, but he's like, we're just starting this process. You know, we're, we're going good, we're getting results, but we've got so much further to go. And obviously that gives us, you know, a lot of um, lots of positive thoughts for, for the future under him. And I hope he is someone that can stick around for a long time. We're building a younger squad. Um, you know, we're getting players that he wants. I don't see it like um, any negatives with him so far, which you know, and it's nice that he's a bit of a younger management as well, because I think that's something, again, for a long time we've had your LVGs, we had your Mourinho's, obviously Ralph Radnick, obviously Oli was younger, but this guy is someone that's won before and he's part of that new generation of managers that will last, you know, maybe another 15 years. And I'm, I'm, proud, I'm proud to have him as a manager and I hope um, he stays around and we hopefully be successful under him. No, my thoughts, 100%. Emad, Eric Ten Hag, talk to me. Robbie, all those managers you mentioned prior to Eric, they age terribly in their short time in, <laughs> in charge. He's got, no, he's got no hair to lose. That's <laughs> Thank God, hey. He's come in bald, he's going bald. So that's all right. That's one. So that's one tick in, tick in the box there. Look, man, we've all been impressed with what we've seen so far. Obviously, um, you know, lifting the coveted Bangkok Cup was a... Was the one one trophy we all wanted in the cabinet, so we got that off the uh, off the list. The preseason tour, and then look, it was disappointing. The first two games of the season, we got um, we got slapped a couple of games in a row. But then you've seen what his management and what he's coach because he's not just a manager; he's a great manager, man manager, right? But we can, he's also a coach, which mm-hmm. we haven't had a we haven't had a, a manager slash coach, who, someone who can do both both roles in a long time. We haven't had that. So you can see his philosophy, his tactics, his style of play and what he wants to implement in this side. And you can see that the the squad are actually all on board with it. You know, his signings that have come in. And I know, Robbie, you said, you know, we've been getting his signings, but this window, maybe not so much. You know, that's if it was one of his, but we don't know. But, you know, the introduction of Anthony, who I still think needs, you know, another game or two to really hit the ground running. Martinez already, you know, a fan favourite. Everyone loves him. Uh, Ericsson, what a, what a revelation he's been at the club. You know, the man was dead yeah, at the Euros and now look at him. He's one of the stalwarts in midfield. Casemiro, again, you know, Robbie, I know how much you love him. Tommy loves him. Everyone loves Casemiro. Um, 
the squad that he's building, we're starting to fall in love with this team again. And that's what I love. I want to love, I don't just love the club, I want to love the team. And the one thing, and I know Borch is about to fire up, I could say. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, he was just yawning, so look, must just been, on, just, might be one last thing, and I don't want to ramble on about the Ronaldo departure, but one thing why I'm glad, or what I'm glad to see about Ronaldo leaving is for this bloke here. Because I knew once, and I said this to Tom, once we signed Ronaldo, it, I knew it was going to, as excited as we were, it was going to change the dynamic of the squad. Oli was building a squad around around Bruno. Bruno was our main man for the the seasons that he uh, since we signed him, and we we were getting the results. And Bruno was the guy that was gonna, you know, take us to new heights. Obviously, we have to build a squad around him. Now that his daddy has left, and the that weight is off his shoulders, I think Bruno can now be that main man again, and maybe I can fall in love with him again. And I wouldn't have to, I wouldn't have to get the sledgehammer out every week. But anyway, his shirt's there. It's gonna stay up there. I know he's got the number eight. I'm happy with what I've seen from Eric so far. I'm stuck. Like we're all in love with the squad again. We're loving the results. We're loving our club. Hopefully, we see a bit more success. No, look, I echo those thoughts 100. Now, Adam, just onto you in regards to look. There's no harder job in football. Oh, I swear. Get, argue with anyone. There's no harder job in management than the manager of Manchester United. Whether we're successful or we're in a good stage or a bad stage, the hardest job, in my opinion. People say Chelsea or the England manager. No, it's the Manchester United job in regards to the size of his fan base, the media attention, and obviously in terms of the situation we're in, you just look at what he has to deal with. In saying that, has it been actually, while he has had to make big decisions and tough decisions, in regards to being sort of able to put your foot down, has it actually been quite an easy job for him in regards to look how hard the situation around Ronaldo is and how big that situation, but ultimately it's a no-lose situation for Eric Ten Hag. He can come in the easiest thing. Now, it's very hard to do. I'm sort of very easy for us, sorry, here on paper saying I'll just drop Ronaldo. Ultimately, dealing with that person face-to-face, that solves a different or that prevent sort of presents a different dynamic. I think all of us here say a lot of things about Ronaldo, me included. We wouldn't say that to his face. Eric Ten Hag has to go into work and deal with Ronaldo face-to-face. But ultimately, the decisions he had to make to sort of, sort of put this club on the front foot and in the, the correct direction have been quite straightforward in terms of Harry Maguire was in such bad form. Not, not bad form, horrible form. It was easy to drop him. Even though he's a captain, he had to be dropped. Ronaldo, it just wasn't working, had to be dropped and ultimately had to be dropped not for the better results, but had to be dropped to force him out of the club to, for a brighter future. I'm just thinking ultimately it has been such a hard time for Eric Ten Hag, but looking at the decision, it's actually been, I don't want to say easy, but pretty straightforward for him. Yeah, look, I think he knew what he was up against. Um, but again, he needed to get the players on board and he's, he's man managed very well. And um, I think that's the hardest place, hardest thing for him to um, to get right is to get all the players on the same page as him. And, um, you know, they've got to trust them. You've got to trust a manager. You've got to enjoy a manager. I know myself when I played, you did, there were some managers you just hated, but you, you you had to come on board. Otherwise you just didn't play. And um, Eric Ten Hag's ruthless. So if you don't, he he's proved that if you play bad in one or two games, he's going to bench you. Somebody else is going to come in. So, He's managed to get everyone on board with his tactics and his theories and stuff like that. So I don't think it's been as straightforward as maybe you think, but he's definitely got everyone on board. Oh, mate, I'm stoked with him. I'm wrapped with him. So um, I definitely haven't got a bad thing to say about him yet. So um, 
yeah, I'm excited for what's ahead for us, definitely. And 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 last couple of games and just feels like it weights off our shoulders. I think we're moving. Everyone's excited. They're celebrating hard together. He's brought a real unity into the team with the players he's brought in. They get pumped up just over a good save or just over a good block or someone's running into a hole. You can see him celebrating at the back. And that's what you want. You want a, you want a team that's really united. So it's a bit of a cliche, but yeah, mm. it's true. And he, he's brought that to Manchester United. And he's I think he's brought um, a real passion back to the fans. And, and that's what I'm most excited about, having him as our manager. It's a good point you make there in regards to man management, in regards to a player, I think all of us will sit here and say, yep, sell him in, or a couple of weeks ago, I was saying sell him in January, has no future. But ultimately, in regards to the way Eric Ten Hag has managed him, maybe sort of on a personal level, away from the field, Aaron Wan-Bissaka has come in with not playing a game this season and come in and given not yeah. two men on the match performances, but two very solid performances on the right-hand side. Diogo Delo has been very good. He has to work his way back into the team. Aaron Wan-Bissaka, for me, is not first choice, but he keeps his spot. At the moment, well, so like, could easily just switch off from that, couldn't he? He could just go, Well, he's yeah, beat me this week, I'm just going to go out and have a lazy game. That, that, that's right, put it down to yeah. a praiseworthy thing of Eric Ten Hag. I think yeah. obviously, one beside himself deserves the praise, but I think it is showing good management from yeah. Eric Ten Hag. But, Borche, just your thoughts on Eric Ten Hag in regards to just your thoughts on how he has done? Because, as I said, there has been huge decisions, there's been straightforward, there's been tricky decisions for him, but just um, not a rating out of 10 or anything. But, um, just sum up your thoughts on his. It's quite short stint so far. It's only been a few months, really. It seems a little bit longer than that. But um, your thoughts on the Dutchman? Yeah, look, he's come in and he hasn't really put a foot wrong. A lot of the a lot of the um, decisions he's made in terms of leaving players out or whatever the situation is with um, uh, with Sancho, um, trying to help him out to get better, or who knows, maybe to get rid of him. We don't know, mm-hmm. but. Um, just a lot of the decisions is made in, in terms of keeping plays in, out, team selections. There's a lot of times we, we, we've looked at a team selection and I've been like, oh, my, what's going on here? Do you know what I mean? But the boys go out and they put in a performance. And, like, you, you can see it now. Like, and, and I said at the start of the year in, in, my, pre, in my preview of the, of the uh, Premier League, I said, we could come fifth. But if I see improvement in this squad in terms of how we're playing and the football's getting better, and there is a philosophy, because under Oli, it was you could say I don't like using the phrase, but freestyle football. It's play what whatever you see, and all that kind of stuff. Where here we can see there's patterns, there's the the, the triangles. We're playing out from the back. All right, we lost the ball. We conceded four against Brentford. Let's get it right. Let's not mm-hmm. revert to where where I think it did go wrong for um, Ralph Radnick is. Oh, these guys can't press. Let's go long ball over top, and, and it went back to the Oli kind of style, and we we got caught out. He just, he realized early on that we didn't have the right players for his philosophy. But instead of sticking with, and I think uh, Adam in the in, in the chat made a a point because it was the wrong decision. I disagree. Ralph was the wrong decision because you do want a manager to come in that's going to have a similar philosophy to whoever the, the they appointed next, whether it was Poch or Ten Hag. Very similar attacking possession, maybe maybe. Uh, a bit more to to Ten Hag than and then Poch, so I think it wasn't a mistake bringing in Ralph. It was just oh, he realized early and maybe like we mentioned, he's not he hasn't managed for so long or in a long time where he's like oh they can't press. So you know what, let's go back to how it was instead of sticking with it. We we weren't making Champions League anyways. He could have just stuck with it. But I think Ralph, though, like especially against uh, the last two games, we've come back in after a. a 
a break, a uh, World Cup, never never been in, in November, December, and to come in and see the performance. And I know Burnley Championship, Nottingham Forest, you could say technically a championship side, but look at Nottingham Forest, Luke Shaw, centre-back, Wan-Bissaka comes in, Malaysia, teams, teams are kind of all over the place a, a little bit, players coming back from the World Cup, and everyone is playing the positions like they've played there for so long. So everyone knows the role. So no matter where, and I don't like the jack of all trades. I like you to be, you know, that the best in your position. But if we do, if we do need backup, if we do need players to come in, because uh, Luke Shaw said I'll, I'll play there for the team. So that like I, you, you never seen that attitude and all that from these players before. Yeah, I'll put me wherever, and I, and he, he put in a performance. You know what I mean? Like, um, and which is good to see. And look, his signings, the, the signings that he's brought in. All right, didn't get Darwin Nunes. Okay, let's move on to my next. Uh, my next number one target in a different position. He got whether it's like I wanted Edson Alvarez to be our DM, but you bring in someone like Casemiro. How can you say no? And for sixty million, we thought, oh, it may be too much, but he's the best DM in the league. They wanted a hundred and twenty something million for Declan Rice and all these players. You know what I'm saying? So the the players that is brought in. Um, oh, have steady Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the players is brought in. in steady Eddie. Yeah, that's it. But it's it, it's worked. It's worked, and we haven't seen a like we haven't seen a player like that in in the Premier League to, since maybe Yaya Torre, and um, that's a very long time. And he's he's probably one of the best box to box midfielders to ever play in the Prem. You know what I mean, Next, close to like you know uh, Roy Keane, Patrick Vieira, these type of players, and we've got him in Casemiro. Maybe we never know. Is it is it too late in terms of his age? He doesn't. It doesn't seem like it, but. I'm happy with you, man. I'm happy, and I'm I'm happy to give him the the three years. Um, if he, he I think he's a three year deal at the moment, maybe a, with an extension after that. But this year to me is a, is a kind of a not so much of a write off, but it's a stepping stone. Yeah, yeah. Let it, wh- whatever happens this season, I do I do believe we can win a trophy, and I do think he needs to win a trophy because we haven't won one in in, in so long that. You need to bring some sort sort of silverware because it is Manchester United. This, this the fan world. base need that. The fan base, like he needs yeah. it. The fan base need it. Like yeah, it, yeah. he can get away with not doing it. Us fans, in terms of the way we're gonna, not us here. I'm here, but the the masses online yeah. need it in regards to sort of laying yeah, off his case and things don't you go. Can't be away. like exactly, but you can't be like, all right, if you don't get a if you don't get a trophy, you can't really be capitulating to like Charlton mm-hmm. now in the, in the League Cup. I know it's only the Carabao Cup, but you can't be going out to Charlton. And in the, oh, the Carabao Cup to me, that, that, that's, that's Champions League standard for me this year. I, exactly. I'm always a fan of the Carabao Cup. Um, I think that's what it's called these days. Yeah, but, but um, FA, FA Cup, I think we got Everton. Hey, we have to, like these games, we have to breeze through. And I like how now yeah. we're going into games and we're like against <laughs> Forest, where usually we'll be like, oh, I don't know. We, no, wipe the floor. Yeah. It was like 92-something possession at, at one stage. The way we dominated, the, like a low block, we versed the team that plays a low block and we scored three different types of goals. It wasn't on all three counter-attacks. It was one counter-attack, one playing out for winning it from out the back, a set piece, and then the other one was uh, um, through the press and transition, uh, through ball in between the lines, and then you grabbed yourself a goal, free past Red. the Fred. Fred Gadave is back in business, you know what I mean? And we're seeing different types of goals. It's not counter-attack United football, you know what I'm saying? So it's it's a lot, a lot, a lot of positives, man, and I'm happy we, we, we have him in. 
No, I think that's a good way to sort of wrap that up in terms of the negative discussion we had around Ronaldo, and rightly so. It is good to finish the year on a high. I think all of us and all, everyone in the live chat will um, echo a lot of those thoughts in regards to nothing but positivity around Eric Ten Hag. Larry is alive. Good to see him in the live chat. Join, um, join the chat. Happy New, New Year, lads. Looking forward to seeing everyone in 2023. I do have one 2023 um, sort of question to wrap up the podcast. I think you mentioned Wolves a little bit in there, Borche. <laughs> We're going to wrap up this um, podcast with a bit of a Wolves preview, but Rob and I know we're going to play Wolves in two or three weeks in a two-legged match, I'm sure, at some stage. We play Wolves far too many times a season, so we'll skip the Wolves preview. Um, fingers crossed it is a straightforward fixture for Manchester United. But I'll go around the table as we start to wrap this up and um, give you maybe a 30-second time limit each. We'll do low lights first. So in the live chat, do let us know your low light of 2022, the calendar year, and obviously the highlight after. But we'll start with low lights first. So, Robbie, give me a low light of 2022. Um, I think when we'll get when we'll get pumped against Liverpool at home, was it the five or six nil? Just um, no, and knowing that it was coming as well, I think that was the worst thing. We knew we were going into the game, and it's like, yeah, we're going to cop a loss here, but by how many? So, yeah, just um, I think that whole Ralph kind of thing, and and look, and the opposite, the positives is um, actually beating some big teams this year, man. Again, Liverpool at home was massive, man. You know, that was our first win after a really bad start. Arsenal for me was. Obviously, you know, <laughs> Arsenal and United for me. Where are you, Boogie? Where are you, Boogie? That's my favourite game. Obviously, you know, the Anthony moment. Um, and on that That's it. That was a special moment. So, yeah, just the positivity around the club, boys. Um, I love the manager and I like exactly what someone said before. Um, I feel like we've got a new, a new love and passion for the boys and, and the club at the moment. No, definitely. Antonio hitting the nail on the head here. The loads of terrible kickoff times. Unfortunately, that's never going to change for us. But we will be here, um, sort of setting the alarm. I went at the pub. That's got to be a highlight. I went at the pub. (laughs) Yeah, no, we did. Yeah, obviously, (laughs) um, we don't have a great record watching matches on a good kickoff time. But um, Emad, low light and highlight um, of the calendar year. Uh, uh, I'll go with along the same lines as Rob. I'm going to say the city loss that we all witnessed at um, Old Trafford when we're watching the two new one. That yeah, was... that was death by sl- like slow torture, or whatever you want to call it, however oh, you say it. That was a punish. Um, and I think the other low light would have been just where we finished and just how the season just finished off. You know, the way Ollie, it, the way it ended for Ollie, and then just the way it ended for the whole season. Um, it was pretty rough. It was probably one of the the darkest times for me as a United supporter. It was, it was rough. Uh, the highlight, I got a couple. So the Melbourne tour, obviously, massive highlight for me. Um, and in terms of the football, I'll say the Arsenal game and then the Liverpool game as well. Adam, the ups and downs? Yeah, uh, uh, my down is the way everything turned out with Ronaldo, definitely. You know, I, I'm, I'm big on that. Um, the way he walked off the pitch, you know, disrespected, you know, his teammates and everything like that. And and the way all that drama came out, that was massive disappointment for me. Um, I just thought it could have ended in so much better way, like Borshear said. Uh, that's definitely the low light for me. And um, again, I've got a lot of Liverpool mates, and I was so happy to get over them 2-1. I actually watched the highlights just before we come on, and it was that good. And uh, mm. probably one more highlight, seeing my boy Rashford come back to the party. So it's good. Fingers crossed that continues. Um, he's doing very well at the moment um, and is our main man at the moment. But Borche, highlights and lowlights, talk to me. Yeah, look, the lowlights, I has to do that Liverpool game, slaughter at Old Trafford, uh, or was it Anfield? I think, two, I think we were I think was it was both. Time, well, yeah. The one I had here was the 4-0. I don't know if that Old Trafford, the 5-0, I don't know if that might have been 2021. 
Uh, obviously the same season, but the one I had down was the 4-0. Um, yeah, whichever one. Ugh, oh, it was a 5-0 at halftime, that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, 5-0. Oh, thank- All right, so we can't use that one, thank God, but yeah. that sticks it's fresh in the memory. <laughs> Real fresh in the memory, that one. But yeah, the, the, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll say I'll say the um, Lowe's as well, the, the Brentford game and the, yeah. the two games at the start of the season, because I thought we did, do well in preseason, and I know a lot of people get oh it's only preseason, but a preseason is really where you find out where where you kind of are. And um, to, to start off the season with two losses was a was a big low. A highlight, I don't know, I don't know. I want to yeah, mate. I don't know. To be honest, maybe it's it's still yet to come. Lifting that the Premier League trophy at the end of the season. We might have to do a highlight for 2023, mate. I don't know. The bus is ready. 21 is coming still. We're on course. But, um, How long are we watching Arsenal not winning? Hey, we, we, could, we, we might course. have to revisit the highs in, 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 in a couple of months when the, the ownership is um, is taken over because that, that yeah. definitely would be the highest of highs. But, uh, look, I just think that the football that we're playing at the moment is good. It's good to see out. You know, a little bit of our United back, a little bit of, and the results. You know, I me, mean? we're we're a team now. We're not conceding too many goals. We're not conceding too many chances. Uh, we've been beating the big teams besides that that Man City capitulation. But we're going to get these games. We're in a process. There's going to be times where we're going to lose four one and three one again this season, and it's it's not going to be a big shock because when you're when you're testing out how uh, your football and philosophy is going, you're going to get them results. But um, I think there's a lot. There's still a lot of a lot more highlights than there is low. I'm not going to even really touch on the Ronaldo one because that is kind of it is what it is. It's on, it's on its own uh, separate topic, but um, yeah, man, it, there's, there's well, a, I don't know. a few weeks as well. Yeah, they'll get. I, I think all those points all, all of you do make there and guys, it sums up <laughs> the year. Um, there, there were good, but there was ultimately a lot of bad. Yeah. And if I'm sort of wrap up before I direct my last question to the panel and everyone in the live chat, my sort of lowlights. I think everyone that four nil away at Anfield. In regards to it was just depressing. It was coming. We knew what was going to happen. Sometimes you go into those games with a bit of hope, but the hope was can we keep it under five? And ultimately, as a Man United fan, that's a horrible position to be in. The Ronaldo situation, as Adam mentioned, in regards just the whole situation from the club, from Ronaldo himself, everything, yeah. the way the fans, just the whole situation, it was just a sad thing. I thought that was really disappointing how that ended, of course. And my not biggest slow life, but it feels like it. Questioning the players. Questioning the players, and I think rightly so, in terms of their effort and their commitment and their attitude, I hate doing that because it's very easy for me sitting in on the couch, oh, you're not running hard enough. It's very easy for me to do that. I'd try not to do it, but I found myself doing it like everyone else, and I, I didn't like that, and that's on the players. So um, that was a low light for me. But for highlights, the Borche just mentioned a little bit there, the Glazers sale. The Glazers are putting the club up for sale. That, that is a highlight for me, which we're, we're not really discussing enough, but that is there. And ultimately, in regards to an isolated match, no one mentioned it here. For me personally, and obviously ties in a little bit in Melbourne, Leeds 4-2 away at Ellen Road. For me, as a football match, that was one of the best football matches I've seen. The rain was pelting down, tackles were flying in, there was drama. Manchester United got on the winning sort of side of things. I was out with Adam one night down in Melbourne. I was fortunate enough to meet Harry Maguire. No, not everyone's cup of tea at the moment. But I was speaking to Harry Maguire about that goal and I showed him the photo of the goal for, for him to sign. The first thing out of his mouth, he just smiled and said, what a fucking day this was. Like, and just to sort of see that raw emotion of him, sort of remembering what a special moment that was for him. For me, 4-2 away to Ellen Road. Fingers crossed we can get another result there. This season, we haven't played Leeds this year, have we? I don't think we have. So we've got them coming up, yeah. sure. That was one of the games that got delayed, I think. Leeds okay, yeah. So fingers crossed Scott McTominay can get his um, annual double or a bit of a hat trick against Leeds. That's another highlight for me, actually. Meet him, McSaucy. <laughs> 
We're going to have to go and do a bit of a, review, a re proper review of the Melbourne trip and sort of share stories because it is great yeah, hearing everyone, great. the different experiences that. everyone did have. But um, in the live chat, bold prediction for 2023, not Manchester United are going to finish in the top four or there's going to be new ownership sort of thing. A bold prediction, something you think will happen that maybe not everyone's thinking about. So um, if you do need any time, um, Rob, um, pass pass the question on. But um, if you can think of something, um, feel free to shoot away. And I'm um, in the live chat. Just a, not a not an outrageous prediction, but just something you think that could happen that people are sleeping on. But um, I'll throw it to you first, Rob. Gonna say that Rashford scores 18 goals this season. I think he just gets under the 20. Is he our top scorer? Yeah, definitely. I don't. I think it'll be. I think he's gonna be the main man. He has to be now, especially. I don't know. We don't know who's coming in in the window. And the way he's performing at the moment, I think um, he's happy enough to be that man. And Eric Eric is only singing his praises as well. Hey, Matt, any big shouts from you? Uh, <laughs> Mason, Greenwood, away. <laughs> Mason Greenwood, not guilty. <laughs> that would be this year, 2023. <laughs> November that happens. November. Yeah. Um, no, no major predictions. I, I, I'm, I like what Rob said there with Rashford. I think he can he can kick on and, and bang in a few more goals and possibly be our top goal scorer. I'd like to see him and Martial link up the way they did uh, a few seasons ago with uh, Mason Greenwood when they were the deadliest front three in English football. So we need to I'd see Martial that. stay fit. That'll be a positive. Yeah, I know. That's that's a bold prediction too that he stays fit. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I just hope for the best and. I'm just going to remain consistent, and that's about it. Adam, anything you can see happening that's going to yeah. raise a few eyebrows? I, I don't think we'll sign anyone in January, and I think, the shout, club yeah. will be, I think the club will be sold somewhere late January, mid-February. Wow, that early. Yeah, no, I was thinking I don't even have an answer for me, so I'm going to have to think quickly while Borche gives me his answer, but I don't have my answer for the bold prediction, but I was maybe alluded to potentially – just a hunch with, um, in terms of who these new ones think. My hunch is it's going to be American investment. Is that good, bad? That's a discussion for another day. But Borche, um, your big one for 2023. Um, 21 is coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. We've the podcast on that. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. Mbappe, that's a good shout. But we Amazing. might need the Saudi consortium to come in yeah. and bring Ronaldo across. Um, I don't think we'll buy anyone purely because we're, we're selling NASA the club. Ownership. They don't want to invest. Well, I think, I think that's what I told you, Tom, on the last pod I was yeah. on with you guys. Um, I did mention, again, it would be interesting to see what we do in January because if they're selling the club, obviously it's not yeah. the money's not coming out of their pocket, but I'm guessing they don't want to sell it on with more debt, even though like a couple of more million, <laughs> it's not going to hurt, hurt them. But um, we to see what we do in this window. But bold prediction. Um, I don't know if it is a bold prediction, but I think I think we do get a trophy this season. I, I really do, and I think Rashford might get more than the eighteen goals in the Prem. Maybe I don't know, twenty-five. I reckon well, twenty-five. He's on ten in all competitions now, so that's a. Massive is it is it, is it ten in all competitions? So yeah, okay, so 10, maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eighteen. In the, if it's eighteen in the Prem, then yeah, okay, uh, maybe twenty-five in. 26 yeah, I think he's on six in the Prem now. I think so five, it's still a five, 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 five,
mate, the number seven shirt, you know, we have to yeah. replace that one. So I don't know. Well, my bold pre- and look, you know, the seven debate, that's another discussion, whether that's Shao Felix or Memphis Depay, I'm not sure. Um, time will tell. We'll have many a podcast about that, I'm sure. My bold prediction, just mentioned him a few minutes earlier. Now, at the moment, I side of this in regards to being the right decision, um, how the season plays out and how form continues, maybe my opinion will sway over the coming months. But I think a bold prediction, Harry Maguire will leave in the summer. I just have a feeling in regards to clubs around, whether it be a Tottenham in terms of Antonio Conte stays there. And I think he does strike me at the time. We'll talk about Ronaldo's interview and how genuine does he love the club? What's he saying this for if he's acting like this? I think I do see a genuine nature with Harry Maguire in regards to he would go and play football. Like he would take a not a huge pay cut, but I could see him going to a lesser club um, to sort of further his England career. So my bold prediction is the Manchester United captain is sold in a couple of months' time. But um, boys, it has been an absolute pleasure um, to wrap up 2022. With such a great panel, I'm sure Larry sends his best regards as well in the live chat. Um, really appreciate everyone's interaction in the live chat as well. Make sure you do hit a like on the video. Subscribe if you're new. Description will be filled with um, it's a football thing, Man Cave United and the football capital. I'll put those in now. But um, any parting words before we move on, boys? Nah, look, I'll happy New Year. First. Uh, yeah, Happy New Year. It's, again, it's always been a pleasure talking with you, lads. Um, I love the United community. love being a part of it all. Let's just hope we get another three points tomorrow and continue with the good times. I don't want to say good times here, Rob, in regards to I don't want to end this on a negative, but does anyone yeah, remember times roll. Yeah. Does anyone remember the last roll, time we played on a new in Sydney? I'm talk, talking an Australian time zone. We played just before the fireworks, just on the crossover of a year. Does anyone remember what game it was? I think we played uh, a couple of years ago. We played the one when um, we were 2-0 down and we won 3-2. I think Pogba scored. The last two goals. That was a New Year's Eve game. That was the Gleason. Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. Yes, I think it was Middlesbrough. Was that, did that cross over? Uh, Sydney trying to cross over the fireworks? Or was it, was it a New Year's Day match? I, I was, was at Arde's house and I went home to watch it straight away. I think it was okay. midnight. Right, midnight. Yeah. It wasn't okay. before that. So, the, the one the, I'm thinking of, the one I'm thinking of, you mentioned Paul Pogba, is what was the nail in the coffin of Paul Pogba. It was David De Gea's first season, the 11-12 season, we're playing Blackburn. And I remember because I was at my wife at um, her house, we weren't married at the time, you could see the fireworks from her um, bedroom. I'm thinking it was the game Raphael and Park played in midfield, and that was the final straw for Pogba. And David De Gea had a howler. Blackburn beat us 3-2 at Old Trafford. And that's the one that springs to mind for me in regards to crossing over that new year. Yeah, was it Pedersen that got the hat-trick? No, he scored every game against us. Yeah. But that game's pedestal. Pogba was a new sub in that one, I think. Yeah, uh, that was the final score. Playing Raphael and Park, where the whole club was clamoring for um, Paul Pogba to come in, and I loved Raphael and Park. But um, who knows what would have happened? But um, City obviously won the league that year. But who knows what is going to happen in twenty twenty three? Fingers crossed, it will be a positive um, start of the season for or start of the year for us um, in a day's time. But until then, hope everyone does have a happy New Year, safe New Year. And now uh, we'll be back on I've lost that time. Yeah, I've lost track of the days. Today's Friday night. So we'll be back Sunday night. Uh, Larry and I, fingers crossed, to discuss Manchester United's rise up the table because surely someone's got to drop points. We're, we're going to have to cl- close the gap on someone. Surely Tottenham won't win again and we can um, go above Tottenham. But until then, pleasure, lads. Uh, make sure you go click on subscribe on all their channels in the description below. But until then, Happy New Year and up the Reds. Happy, Happy New Year, boys. See you.